Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It's a pretty important one um, that we're having today. What are we talking about and who have we got with us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like uh, many Australians probably know, in Melbourne at the moment, we're uh, facing another lockdown and <laughs> this one's a little bit more challenging. And um, I think Owen and I were speaking earlier and we're all feeling a little bit meh at the moment. Um, and it's sort of hard to keep enthusiastic and focused on your goals and things. So what I thought was really important to cover was a little bit about um, mental health and well-being. Um, I think resources have been thrown all around. I know ABC sending a lot out at the moment, but we thought we'd get an expert on the podcast. Um, and Anna Glynn, who I met earlier this year at a finance dinner, um, I reached out to her and asked if she was interested in coming on the podcast. Yeah, just share a little bit about how to deal with the current situation and check in with yourself, check in with your family and why it's really important to look after yourself. So Anna, if you could give a little bit about your background, um, I'd love to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kate. And thanks, Owen, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, So about me, I am a workplace educator and teach uh, individuals, teams and organisations about the principles of positive psychology so they can drive their engagement, performance, and of course, their well-being. So I have launched my own practice, having previously been in the financial services industry for 10 years, um, and I'm currently, you know, spending a lot of my time actually helping people try and uh, endure the challenges and overcome um, the struggles that have come about as a result of the global pandemic. Anna, we talked about this just off air. You've had some experience in financial services. Uh, what prompted you to go back and, and study and do a master's? Good question. Thanks, Owen. Um, so for me, I um, started to explore, uh, I guess, my own uh, leadership. Or I was trying to explore how I could be a better leader and how I could actually engage and ensure that my team was performing at the optimum level. And at the time, um, I was sort of searching and doing my own research into what was out there. And um, I sort of came across this field called positive psychology, which was all about trying to drive employee engagement and performance. Um, and so I started to do a bit more research and started to uncover um, you know, the, the ways that positive psychology was being used in our schools here in Australia and also in some of our sporting codes as well, like the AFL and the NRL. So I started to try some of um, the practices that it was talking about and started to see some of those results. So for me, you know, what was next was, well, I need to go and learn more about this. So I undertook a um, professional certificate in positive psychology a couple of years ago and really just fell more and more in love with the field and then decided to embark on the master's last year, which I did um, full time at Melbourne University as well. Hmm. It's one of those things and it's it's fascinating it's a fascinating topic for me and I know Kate um, just loves to talk about psychology too because and you can appreciate this as well now that you you've seen it from both sides 
when we talk about money, finance, and budgeting, it's funny because almost none of it has anything to do with with money. It's all to do with people's psychology and how they think about um, their mindset and I guess how they view the world and and savings and having that can do attitude. So it's wonderful to have you on the show. I must admit, I'm geeking out a little bit. But one of the things that Kate and I really wanted to talk to you about was I guess some of the tricks and ways to deal with the current, I guess, events that we're seeing on the news. We're kind of waking up to every day and going to bed, um, many of us at home permanently. So anything that you have there, just a higher level, and maybe we can zoom in on them. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, this is a question that I'm asked quite a lot and have been over the past few months. Um, So really, what I think is most important for our well-being, or, or certainly what we know, is that um, you know relationships are the number one contributing factor to our well-being. So um, over the past few months, when you know the country and the whole world have been asked to sort of physically distance ourselves from one another, we knew that this was going to have negative impacts on our mental health. And unfortunately, certainly in Australia, we have seen the outcome of that. And now, as Melbourne you know goes into lockdown 2.0. We really need to think about, you know, how we're going to actually um, undertake this challenge differently from what occurred in the past so we don't see these same negative impacts. So my first um, advice to people is we need to think about um, how we can prioritise our relationships, particularly when we're, you know, physically distancing ourselves. Um, but what's important to remember is it's not about social isolation, so we can still have connections with others. And what I think is one of the... Um, what we're thankful for at this time of our lives is that we've got so much technology around us that we can use to actually um, strengthen those connections with other people. So, you know, things like WhatsApp and Zoom and, and House Party, they're all things that we can leverage um, to, to keep those relationships, um, you know, a focal point. So, um, you know, really that would be my number one thing is to think about, you know, each day how are you getting um, you know, a sense of connection from others um, and, you know, which enables us to experience that feel-good hormone oxytocin, which we also know that we need to actually reduce stress and anxiety as well. Yeah, because I think before, like, our all our social interactions were kind of handed to us on the platter. If we were going to school, university or work, you just rocked up every day and there was people to talk to and um, different stimulus. But now it's actually a lot more work because you've actually got to go out and um, find someone to have a Skype call with um, or chat to online. Absolutely. And then the other thing to think about as well is the people that you're living with. So I think what's really important to note is that even though you're seeing these people potentially all day, um, a really good question to ask at the end of the day, perhaps over the meal is, you know, how was your day? And, you know, what what happened? What were some of the, the wins or the losses you may have had? Because even if you're there, you don't actually know what might have occurred in that other person's day. So I think it's still really good to sort of do those touch points um, with, you know, your loved ones, um, you know, at the end of each day. And how about you said there, um, you know, that sense of connection is something that is so important and it's very um, easy to get lost, I guess, um, in that or with that at this time. Have you got any interesting like stories or anecdotes from people that you know um, have put into practice some like some tricks or or tips that you, you you've thought are very like quirky but useful to connect with people um, at this time. I think it sort of brings in um, you know two different aspects of well-being. 
um, which we often talk about, which is, you know, the relationship side, but it's also about, you know, experiencing positive emotions, which we know we also get from those connections with other people. So I guess to, you know, think about as you asked, you know, the quirkiness, um, you know, I'm talking to people about injecting positivity in their day. And it might sound maybe a bit bizarre to some people, but just thinking about ways that you can actually, um, you know, maybe it's just, you know, uh, sharing a YouTube clip or, um, you know, telling a joke um, at the start of the day um, or even just sharing a playlist with other people. I mean, this is a really easy way that's going to make you feel good but also help others feel good as well. Um, so they're probably the suggestions I have. For me as well, you know, I've kept up my routine around, um, you know, uh, going to the gym. So I'm now doing that online and I still get to see the faces that I'm used to seeing when I actually used to, you know, physically go to the gym. And also as much as possible, you know, it's about going to the cafe and having that chat with your barista um, and sharing smiles with people that you might see on the street, even though it's a little bit harder now that we're all wearing masks. <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned just uh, going to the barista. I'm sure the baristas are hearing this thinking, no, 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 please, we get enough of it every day. <laughs> yes, you've you got to find the ones that like a chat, that's for sure. <laughs> mm, and I think at the, at the moment it's quite hard because our days can be really, really repetitive and like for myself, it's kind of just wake up, walk to the kitchen table, maybe go for a walk in my lunch break um, and walk back to my room at the end of the day. And so um, especially because... In Melbourne, if we can only go out once or so a day, um, it can make every day feel like Groundhog Day. So do you have any sort of tips and ideas for actually adding some variety to your day? Yeah, that's a great question, Kate. And yeah, good point. It it does feel a bit monotonous and it's a bit mm. like Groundhog Day. Um, but I think, you know, it's really important that we do still stick to those routines that we're used to. Um, so, you know, if you're someone that exercises in the morning or exercises at night, you know, keep with that and try and um, ensure that you're, you've got boundaries between sort of work and home, which now, you know, are so blurred. Mm. Um, but in terms of sort of mixing it up, you know, again, we've only sort of got our five kilometre radius that we can stick to, certainly for the people in Melbourne. But, you know, try new routes. If you're going for a walk or a run, go, go down a different path. Um, go to different um, parks if you can try different cafes, you know, again, that's helping support small businesses. And also, you know, look at different um, training packages and things that you can take advantage of. You know, so many um, uh, fitness organisations are offering sort of those different packages. So now's the time to just actually try something new as well. Mm, I think that's a good idea as well. And I, I've certainly found that having study and other things to take my mind off just sort of that uh, moving from your room to work back to your room again um, really helps as well because you don't have that split between heading into the city to go to work. You've you've lost that boundary. And that's the other um, point to mention is that, you know, for some people they do have some more time on their hands now that they're not commuting. And it is a really good time to, if you have slowed down, to look at, you know, opportunities to continue to grow and develop. And that might be by, you know, undertaking a course or, or learning a new skill and again, you know, so many organisations and universities are actually offering a lot of courses for free for people that are facing um, the pandemic at the moment as well. Mm. On your website, I was reading some of your blogs before uh, we started recording. And I know you do a lot of work with uh, like businesses and uh, individuals who are like leaders in the workplace. And, and one of the things that you said is, um, and I'll quote you, you, said having a sense of meaning at work, particularly 
if you feel as though your work matters and you are positively contributing to others, that's a really important thing to do. This, um, this is just myself. This is not you speaking. Um, and this is really important to do is just kind of have that sense of meaning. And I feel like with the, the courses or with, I guess, just anything that you can do that's kind of extracurricular and try and, like you said, keep the structure, but also just try and look forward to something and achieving something. I feel like that's a really important thing right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, for, for many people, you know, purpose is, you know, so important, again, um, to have something to pursue and, and for our well-being and for our mental health. Um, but for some people, their purpose has actually changed as a result of this pandemic. Um, so I've also been talking to people about, you know, what's your purpose for the pandemic? Um, you know, we've seen sort of so much generosity um, that's, you know, sprung up across the world and, and a lot of, you know, expression of compassion and, and service of others. So for some people, their purpose is now about, you know, maybe helping out their neighbour or helping out a colleague. Um, but for, yeah, for some, it, it has changed. So it's about actually thinking, well, what is it? And then what could I be doing sort of every day or every week that can help me actually get closer and closer to my purpose? And I think that's that's quite a big thing to sort of revisit because a lot of us, I know a lot of people that listen to podcasts are very uh, goal-driven and like setting goals at the start of each year. Um, I mean, Owen and I are definitely big on that. And so many of these goals are maybe not realistic anymore or they've completely um, changed or maybe they're not achievable um, for the time being. So how do you suggest sort of dealing with that where um, what you used to have uh, and what you planned for the year has completely been thrown up in the air. Maybe you were made redundant. Maybe you've been stood down. Maybe you had travel plans that have been completely shelved. Um, yeah, <laughs> personally, that happened to me. But, um, yeah, how do you deal with this um, complete sort of upheaval of your life? And, and likewise, Kate, I've had a, a big goal um, and overseas travel postponed, if you will. So, yes, <laughs> I still keep it in the back of my mind as something to look forward to when when we reopen. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, if if you are a goal setter um, and that's something that's really important to you, which it is most people, as you've mentioned, um, it's just about rethinking about what those goals are again for this time. So for some people, it is mere survival, right? Um, mm. They've just got to get through each day depending on the challenges that they're facing. Um, but for others, you know, it may be an opportunity to look at some new goals. And again, it might be something that you want to think about for your time in lockdown, or it might be something that you still want to work towards over a longer time frame. Um, but what I would suggest is, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, for each goal that you have, you know, break it down and, and maybe just try and prioritise a few things for the day or even the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not putting too much pressure pressure on yourself to try and achieve a whole lot of things when, you know, you're dealing with the, the stress and the complexities of the global pandemic as well. Mm. There's so many different tips and tricks, I guess, and, and different focus points for people. I think they're going to have to listen to this episode a few times. I think I will too, just <laughs> to make sure that I can pick up on everything you're putting down. Uh, one of the things that, um, I, again, I read on your site was that some of the ways that we might take care of ourselves is, you, you, this is a quote, um, it says, some researchers, some researchers suggest that for every negative emotion we experience, we need to experience three positive ones to compensate, end quote. And so, I'm wondering, as we go about our day, do you have any strategies for us to, I guess, reduce the, the amount of negative uh, stimulus we get 
and and focus on the positive like I, that's just a very open-ended question i know there's a lot there for you to go <laughs> on but what are some of the practical steps people can take to to lessen that negative stimulus and, and kind of focus on the positive yeah, great, great question, Owen. Um, and this is another one that I, I've been talking a lot about to people. Um, so that that ratio is a really good one just to consider yourself, you know, potentially um, over a week, you know, just reflect on your day and have a think about, you know, how many um, positive emotions am I experiencing uh, for the negative? Because unfortunately, what we tend to find is that we we are a bit out of whack of that, you know, sort of three to one guide that we're, we're aiming for. Um, so the first step is is thinking about how you can dial down that negativity. And at the moment, we are surrounded by it. Um, you know, when you turn on the news, it is just full of um, negative stories. Um, mm. And that's not surprising given the times we're living in. So my first suggestion is always to limit your time on the media and reading the news. So I don't know if... Um, you're someone that has those notifications that seem to pop up, you know, continuously throughout the day. But what tends to happen when you when you stop what you're doing and look at those is, it you know, if it is a negative story, it just it zaps your energy and you actually um, you know become quite fatigued from it. So my first um, you know suggestion is absolutely turn off the notifications, mm-hmm. and also consider you know worry time is what I call it. So. When will you actually go and read the news? Um, and it might be for you it's best to do first thing in the morning or perhaps at the end of the day when, when you've finished your work and you're, you're in a space where, um, you know, you don't, you, you've sort of finished your work for the day. Um, so I think, you know, having that worry time and, and making sure that you're in the right mindset to actually absorb the information um, are some really good tips. And then the other part of it is, um, you know, boosting the positive emotions. So we spoke earlier about, you know, injecting humour into the day, but just trying to, you know, prioritise those jolts of joy, we call them. You know, what actually sparks those positive emotions for you um, and try and increase those. Um, One thing that's really come out of this pandemic as well has been, you know, a huge expression of gratitude for um, others. Um, So, you know, one of the interventions that we often talk about in terms of trying to um, focus on gratitude is simply considering, well, what are some of the things that you are grateful for each day and why are you grateful for them? And there's an exercise called three good things that you can um, do yourself and also with your family at the end of each day where you simply capture, well, what are three things from the day that you're grateful for and why are you grateful for them? And then the next day you do the same activity and you have to choose three different things to focus on. And what you find is that, um, you know, if you do this before you go to bed, uh, people actually sleep better and they wake up more energised. And what's the really cool thing about this activity is that over time your brain actually starts to rewire itself. So it doesn't focus on the negative and what you don't have, but it actually starts to look at for the things that you do have and those things um, that are positive in your life. Um, so that's one of the ways um, that is, you know, a really simple way that you can actually try and focus on, you know, being more grateful for those things in your life that you have. Mm-hmm. There was, there's a, I, so coming into this episode, I, I went back and read some of my my psychology books, and um, there was this study done in 1959 where um, there was people at the cinema looking at the screen, watch, uh, watching the trailers before their movie come on. And someone, as an experiment, got up um, and they were dressed as a ghost and they moved across the stage. And it was found that when they asked the audience, did anything strange happen, um, 
almost a third of the audience um, didn't even notice that there was a person dressed as a ghost in front of them. And there have been a few other studies I know since then on, on a similar type of, I guess, attention and, and focus. And um, what, was, what really struck me about that is how easily our minds can, I guess, focus on one thing and fixate on that at the expense of so much other important information. And I think we do this my wife and I do this three good things. We have a slightly different take on it. We just turn one negative into a positive and turn and focus on one positive for the day. And I think it is so profound, the results from this. And I, I got to say, for anyone that listens to this and just thinks, oh, yeah, it's another psychology trick. This is actually brilliant. Like I've had some really good results from this and I encourage everyone to do it. The other person that's had great results from it that has spoken about in the media is Dusty Martin. Um, and I think, you know, he's he's been doing it for, I think, a year or two years now and has spoken about the benefits. And obviously, I think some of the uh, results speak for themselves when we consider mm. Dusty and, and the premierships that the Tigers have won over the last couple of years. Hmm. I know there's a lot of people who get up every day. You talked about it there. They flick on the Today Show or Sunrise or whatever the heck they watch and it's red. There's pictures of viruses going across the screen. And it's just chaos on the screen. And it's the first thing that we take in each day. Um, can you explain the difference between the circle of concern and circle of influence? And I guess what we should be focused on. So this has actually been, um, this idea has come from Stephen Covey's work. So um, a lot of people on the line would be pretty familiar, I'm sure, with Stephen Covey and the um, seven habits of highly effective people. But this is something I started to think about when, um, you know, so much of what's happening right now is out of our control. And so really where we should be, you know, spending our time, our effort and our energy is on those factors that we can control. So um, the focus here should be on the inner circle, which is what we term our circle of influence. And these are all the things that we, we have control over. So these will be things like our thoughts, our mindset, um, our ability to exercise, you know, um, our humour, um, being able to perform random acts of kindness and so forth. So there's actually so much that sits within um, our circle of influence, which is where we should be spending our time and our effort and our energy. But unfortunately, what tends to happen is that our thoughts get um, taken over by a lot of things that are actually outside of our control. So if we think about, you know, the times that we're currently living in, you know, these are things like the supply of toilet paper. So really, a lot of people were sort of up in arms about the fact that they might not have toilet paper. Um, however, this was something that was actually out of our control. And also what I find is that a lot of people are, you know, they get so concerned by others' behaviour, you know, um, you, you see someone walking down the street without a mask or you see someone doing the wrong thing um, and that can be a real concern to us and, and for obvious reasons and for right reasons. Um, but again, we have no control over that person's behaviour so there's actually no point in, in stressing about it. And the same can be said for, you know, our future, um, other natural disasters. Again, these are all things that really we, we shouldn't be, you know, focusing on because they're actually out of our ability um, to influence. So that's what we, we talk about when we talk about these two circles. There's one that's the circle of influence um, and then there's uh, the other that's, you know, sort of outside of our control. Mm, and I think I got um, a few years ago I got taught that strategy where these sort of negative thoughts come, um, they approach your mind and you acknowledge them um, but you just let them go. You let them float away like little <laughs> clouds. Um, and I think that's that's really been something that's helped me. I, I don't know where I picked it up, but um, whenever I'm feeling 
um, just annoyed or I don't know, judgmental or upset. Like I acknowledge that I'm feeling X, Y, Z. And then I kind of just like let that thought float away. And that's, that quite helped. That helps me a lot. Um, not hold on to all those emotions and things that you're feeling in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's a really important point about emotions, particularly those negative emotions is that it is about sort of, um, or, or not pushing them down and pushing them away. Um, you know, the best minds, the ones that can actually acknowledge them, accept them, and then try and actually take action to overcome them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a lot of, um, you know, those, those negative thought patterns, they can, they can put us in what's called, you know, those negative thinking traps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them around, you know, um, catastrophizing and, and feeling helpless. And, um, you know, what tends to happen is we get stuck there. And they, you know, have a negative impact on our mental health and our well-being because we sort of just, you know, end up spiralling to these worst-case scenarios that probably will never happen. Um, so really what we need to try and train our minds to do is to, you know, absorb the thoughts and the emotions, as you said, and not get trapped in them um, and then try and think about ways that we can actually um, overcome them and take positive action um, to get out of there. Yeah, and I think that's so important that um, dealing with that catastrophizing behavior at the moment because the negative news is just getting um thrown at us every day so it's you can often and i've spoken to a few friends recently who have just sort of um repeated every single negative thing in a row and then they've just sort of gone it's sort of snowballed into the point where they don't think there's any point even um trying to feel happy and i think that's that's something that we really need to work on not catastrophizing every news item we see yes absolutely and and again that comes back to the point around you know how do we limit our our time with the news and Mm. and when we we're going to watch it or or um look look at it you know how can we make sure that we're in a good mindset to be able to actually take that on um and then of course you know if we step away you know feeling uh you know those negative emotions you know how can we sort of use maybe um you know, evidence to prove ourselves wrong or how can we reframe the thinking or, you know, how can we think of some plans about, you know, if these fears do play out, what will we do as well? Mm. And we we talk about um, people uh, interacting with our friends and family and, and people that we live with every day. I have a general rule which is kind of stay away from negative people because they always find a problem for every solution. And sure. um, I don't think that's um, easy for a lot of people to do necessarily. Like you can't always just stay away from people you don't like. You've got to work with them. You've got to do whatever. How? What are some of the ways that I guess we can as people kind of deal with it when it's thrust upon us from other people around us? So that, like, um, is there anything that you know where you can, I guess, control what you can control and I guess just outsource some of the stuff. You've touched on a bit of it there, but is there anything, any particular steps for people at home that might be getting frustrated or, you know, um, being in a work environment where it's quite tense at the moment? Anything that you've come across in particular? Yeah, no, I, I, I love your uh, practice there, Owen. And and that is something that I sometimes suggest to people. Um, you know, if you've got these negative people or what I like to call negative energizers, where you actually, you know, get close to them and they drain you, um, it is sort of about, in the nicest possible way, limiting your contact with them, um, you know, and maybe even thinking about, you know, maybe not having so many phone calls or face-to-face contact but reverting back to, you know, text messages. So you've still got that mm. connection but it's not going to be something that negatively impacts you. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, for those people, so often they just need, 
an ear to, to listen um, or for someone to mm. listen to them. And, you know, it is about particularly at this time us being able to express empathy and, and compassion towards others. Um, and, you know, if they're willing to listen, it might be about, you know, trying to show them some positive steps or actions they can take to, you know, sort of try and, um, you know, get through that difficulties, um, you know, they're experiencing. Um, if they're not going to listen to you, then perhaps, yes, yeah, suggest to them other people that they could contact or, or, you know, read blogs or watch YouTube clips or all those sorts of things, you know, giving them that sort of subtle hint, um, you know, for ways that they might be able to get themselves through those tough times. Mm. And I think everyone's reacting to the situation differently and maybe um, maybe they take that out on you or something like that. And I think it's just sort of being um, being kind and being patient with everybody around you at the moment um, because everyone's sort of stressed and worried and um, they've got loved ones they're stressed and uh, concerned for. So it's just been, um, yeah, a little bit um, un- more understanding of people's different reactions to this current state. Absolutely. And I think that's another really important point is that, um, you know, you and I might see something very differently from the person beside us. And that's Mm. where, you know, we really need to be cognizant of the fact that um, others, uh, you know, they take on stress differently, their challenges are different. um, And it's really important for us to be mindful of that, that, you know, people are um, experiencing this uh, challenge um, in very different ways and some that we won't even be able to understand. Yeah. And would you say that you have more of a, a, a growth mindset or would you say you're more fixed? And maybe you could explain um, what those two things mean as you go. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, mindsets are, are really uh, another really great concept to consider and particularly when we're thinking about challenges Um, So the easiest way to kind of explain um, the difference between the fixed and the growth mindset is, you know, probably thinking about, let's say, something like, um, you know, working from home and having to suddenly, uh, you know, use Zoom every day. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, when when, um, we were first asked to work from home, you know, and, you know, the, the ask was, well, now we're going to be running our meetings via Zoom. For a lot of people, um, that would have been a really new experience. Mm. And we would have had some people that would have actually, um, you know, seen that as something that they couldn't do. So I've never done it before. I won't be able to do it. This won't work. And that's an example of a fixed mindset. So those sorts of people tend to believe that their, you know, their qualities and their intelligence and their talents and personality are fixed and nothing is ever going to change that. Whereas someone that um, has a growth mindset um, is still facing that same challenge. So, you know, working from home, have to suddenly, um, you know, become quite um, familiar with Zoom. They would look at that as a, an opportunity to actually grow and develop a new skill. So they would actually say that and go, do you know what? I've never done this before, but probably with a bit of coaching and a bit of guidance, I'll be able to do that. And they really look for um, opportunities to learn from challenges So as opposed to the fixed mindset, growth mindset, people believe that, you know, their qualities and their talents and their intelligence can actually be developed with with some effort. Um, What I love about, um, you know, the growth and the fixed mindset is that it can be quite easy to actually flick between the two. And this is where, um, you know, Carol Dweck, who is, um, you know, has, has done a lot of research into these sorts of mindsets, talks about the power of yet. And 
Mm. Basically by us, you know, just embracing yet at the end of a sentence of, you know, I can't do that yet, we automatically can actually change our our mindset from a fixed one um, to a growth one. So, Mm. you know, when you hear yourself say, I can't, just simply add the word yet on the end. Hmm. I've Hmm. never heard that one. That's quite a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. i got to admit, the reason I asked that question, and I was because I read your your blog post right before this, so we'll put a link in the show notes. It's a a fantastic write-up. In fact, the whole website is great. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, so one of, one of the big questions I, I really wanted to cover in this podcast is what are some of the ways that we can help our friends, family and colleagues get through tough times at the moment, um, given that we're also going for a tough time and we can't physically give them a hug um, and be a physical shoulder for them? Yeah, so great question, Kate. And I, you know, really just come back to um, how important the relationships are to our well-being. So mm. we know, you know, even from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that we have this um, inherent need to feel um, belong, belong, like we belong. Um, mm. And you know, there's a lot of people that are feeling quite isolated and lonely at the moment, even if they're actually surrounded by a number of people. Um, so. The, the thing that I would suggest, you know, particularly for those um, loved ones and those colleagues is checking in, um, you know, create that um, sort of practice that you, um, maybe it's every day you actually check in with a new person and it might be a phone call or it might be a text message, um, but just an opportunity to ask them, you know, how are they going, you know, um, how are they finding, you know, the times, what are their challenges, what's what's been, what's been good um, about their week or so forth. Um, and, you know, this could, again, be something that, you know, you choose to do maybe one-on-one, but, again, you can take advantage of things like, you know, Zoom and House Party and FaceTime where you actually might do it with, um, you know, a group of people as well. After mm. this, I've actually got um, about seven girlfriends and I doing a house party because um, <laughs> we all felt like we needed a bit of a, a pet-me-up. Mm. Um, but, again, you know, even for those people um, that you're you're living with, you know, you're experiencing their day-to-day, but, you know, do you really know what actually happened? So if you've got children, you know, asking them, you know, how was school, what did you do, what was great, what was not so great? Um, and likewise with, um, you know, your partner as well. Just because you were there doesn't mean you necessarily know actually how their day was. Um, so I think it's really important for those within the home, but then also for those outside the home that, you know, you're continuing to have um, those regular connections and just touching base to see how people are going. What if they're not not doing okay and, and you sort of maybe they tell you that or that's the sense you're getting talking to them on the phone? Yeah, again, I think that's where, you know, we, we really need to, um, you know, think about, you know, how we can empathise with their situation and, of course, how we can, you know, show our compassion, you know, offering help. Is there a way that you can actually, um, you know, help them and, and try and, um, you know, take away maybe some of the, the challenges they may be facing. So it might be something to do with, um, you know, their children or, or not being able to prioritise something. Um, so hopefully, you know, by offering that support, um, you know, that, that is a way that they can actually, um, you know, seek that from you. Um, but, but additionally, if there's someone that you really are concerned about, that's where, you know, you need to encourage them to see professional help. And, you know, at the moment, you know, we're seeing huge number of increases in, you know, the calls to Lifeline, but we've also seen, you know, additional um, services provided, uh, you know, around um, text messaging services and, and online chats and so forth. So there is a lot of information out there at the moment to help people that, um, you know, might unfortunately be feeling worse 
um, than usual and are, and are concerned about their mental health. Uh, but there is a lot of support that um, you know they can seek. They can seek out. Mm. One of the things I reckon people could do if they listen to this is uh, maybe think of one friend or one family member who you usually speak to that you haven't for a while, and maybe give them a call. And you might be surprised that they might be feeling more down and that's the reason that they haven't spoken to you or sent you a message or engaged with you on social media or whatever it might be. So that's maybe just maybe that's a simple step that people can take away. Find someone and and give them a call. Um, Anna, there's one thing that we wanted to talk about here is I guess it's this big picture thing is that quite a lot of negative stuff happening. How would – if I walked up to you and I said, you know, I'm having a really tough time, it's really overwhelming, all of this negativity – how would you reframe that for people? And what are some of the steps you would use to kind of, you know, bring out the, the positive? <laughs> sure. So it's uh, positive psychology is definitely not just about, you know, being all Pollyanna-ish um, <laughs> and being positive all the time. Um, you know, the people that practice positive psychology are realists. They know that, you know, challenges do come up and we all have to face, you know, sort of adversity and stress and unfortunately trauma in our lives. We've, we've just witnessed that. Um, but really it is about, you know, I talk about um, ways that you can build your own toolkit to help you when you need. Um, so, you know, hopefully people, you know, are starting to understand more and more because uh, the dialogue is there around, well, what do we actually need to recover from stress and, and how do we re-energise ourselves? Um, for some people, you know, that is practising things like mindfulness, um, you know, doing a, a meditation or doing a simple breathing activity or, or spending that time outside, they're really, um, you know, sort of quick and effective ways of actually recovering from stress. But then it's also about thinking, you know, what do you need um, that's actually going to help with your well-being? And this is different for everyone. So it, it can be a bit of a, you know, a test and see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to identify what, what those things are. So it might be about, you know, spending time with others exercising, sleeping more, um, you know, doing those sort of positive activities um, so that they can, you know, ensure that they've got those positive aspects in their life. Um, so if someone was sort of to come up to me in the street and ask, you know, for that sort of made the wave of magic wand, um, it, it would be put back on them around, you know, well, you need to work out what it is that you actually need um, to help you, yeah, recover from the stress but also ensure that you are, um, looking for ways that you can actually thrive and flourish as well. Mm. And I think that's that's been something that's been really important at the moment, finding finding things that you enjoy doing and that you want to learn more about. Um, and, and even just learning something new each day um, makes you feel a lot more hopeful about the whole situation. Absolutely. And the important thing to remember is that, you know, self-care is not self-indulgence. Um, you know, so often people tend to prioritise um, their work or other people around them. But what, um, you know, they need to realise is that self-care actually enables you to be at your best when you're doing those things that are most important to you. So, mm. you know, putting your oxygen mask on first um, is probably one of those things <laughs> that I highly recommend for people, um, which is going to, um, yeah, make sure that they're living their best selves as well. Mm, and I think we've used that phrase uh, in terms of personal finances and having an emergency fund as well. So, uh, yeah, quite oh, an good. important thing to do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so just before we finish up, there's been so many great tips and ideas in this episode, but did you want to share any favourite maybe books, um, podcasts or resources that might be helpful to people at the moment? 
Oh, great question. Um, I feel <laughs> Putting like you on I'm the spot here? Of, uh, <laughs> no, but I feel like I'm sort of absorbing everything that's out there at the moment. Mm. Um, I mean, for me, I always come back to some of the, the um, you know, general books around, uh, you know, Marty Seligman has written a fantastic one called Flourish, which talks about, you know, a wellbeing framework that you can follow. Sonia Lubomirsky um, has great, a great book. Um, it's like a guide to the how of happiness. Um, so, uh, you know, and Gretchen Rubin has done one on the happiness project. Um, but even, you know, coming back to, you know, more uh, local heroes, you know, I, I, I follow Hugh Van Sullenberg from the Resilience Project. Um, he's got, yeah, an excellent book out by the same name that's got some great tips and tricks. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of blogs as well, um, you know, there's there are, you know, plenty out there. Thrive Global uh, which is Ariana Huffington's um, organisation. They produce an excellent blog. Um, so there really is, a, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, content out there. It's probably just about finding the ones that, you know, resonate the most with you and your particular situation. Mm. And I think that's the, that's the great thing about the internet. If you want to find something that's going to work with, for you, there, there will be something out there. It's just a matter of um, looking and trying a few different options. Absolutely. Mm. Speaking of finding what's right for you, I've, I've since discovered your website. How often do you write? It looks like you write quite quite regularly. Yeah, I do. Um, this is something I started a few years ago uh, prior to la- launching my own practice as a way of actually sharing what I was learning from this field, um, you know, acknowledging that I was getting a lot out of it. I thought, well, hang on, I'm pretty sure if I share this, others are going to get um, something out of this too. Um, so blogging is a way of me you know, keeping up to date with the latest research um, as well and being able to share what I've learned and what I've tried. So it is something I do regularly. I do it for my um, myself and for those I've, I've worked with and those that subscribe to the list. Um, but I've also been doing some guest blogging for organisations as well, which um, has been really great. Yeah, it's, it's I, like I said, I kind of just threw myself into all of your blogs um, before this recording and I think I've got about 15 tabs open from all the links through the site to different concepts that are just fascinating. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, probably just in closing, one of the things that I'm interested in is why did you choose to make it positive psychology that you went with and not not go down the clinical psychology route or, or some other type of psychology? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if anyone's actually ever asked me that. Um, so I suppose it, it, it stemmed from, um, you know, when I was first looking uh, at, you know, what I was trying to, to um, achieve, which was the responsibilities I had in my role, um, which was as a people leader, I was suddenly in charge of driving the engagement and the performance of my team. Um, and that's really where this uh, the field of positive psychology sits or, or where it focuses. So if we think about traditional psychology, um, you know, this is where, you know, it is all about sort of treating and, and helping cure um, mental illness, whereas positive psychology um, looks at how, you know, you can improve um, and, and focus on, you know, things like engagement, performance, relationships, meaning, positive emotions and, and mental and physical health. So it's sort of picked up an area that was neglected by traditional psychology. Um, so the background to psychology was that it was meant to do three things, cure mental illness, improve normal lives and identify and nurture talent. But unfortunately, after World War II, um, you know, those two areas uh, became neglected. 
So positive psychology as a field was really only born, um, you know, uh, around 20 years ago. And uh, that's where it's looked to actually focus on these two other aspects. So I guess, you know, in answer to your question around why did I choose one of the other, it was more about, you know, where my focus was around, um, you know, the engagement and performance of my team. Wonderful. Well, you've got yourself one new subscriber and I hope a few of our listeners will follow the links and, and, and join your list too. On behalf of Kate and I, Anna, we just really appreciate you coming on, on the show and, and sharing some of your wisdom um, and just taking time out. It's a Thursday night, so thank you. My pleasure. It's been lots of fun. Thank you for having me. 